Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. everyone thank you for coming to the draw your dice podcast my name is jeremy gage as you heard in the intro but as always the show is never about me it's about who i have brought to you today and i have brought a wonderful guest per the recommendation of ezra so shout out to ezra and the dyd fandom uh from what i've seen there is just a beautiful experience that we are ready to get into i would like to welcome to the show stargazer sasha (laughs) (laughs) Yay, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on. And thank you, Ezra, for recommending me. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. So as we always start this show off, would you just give a brief introduction of who you are, places where people can reach you, find you, get more about your work, just as you display yourself to the internet? Yeah. So hi, everyone. Do you say hi, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> I've never been on a podcast. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm <laughs> going to say it confidently this time. Uh, yeah. My name is Stargazer Sasha. You can call me Sasha. I use she, her pronouns. I write games. I write games about the intersection of transgression, danger, beauty, and magic. That's what I've been telling people. You can find my games on, on itch at stargazersasha.itch.io. And you can follow me on Twitter at stargazersasha. I'm still kind of settling into the rhythm of things, so I might start hosting other places, but that's where I am for now. And yeah, I've I've been pretty busy. I've put out four games over the past two months. They are four pretty different systems, and I would say they take place in pretty different worlds from each other. I really like focusing on ideas of the transitory what do we take from moments of transition how do we interact with like ideas that are that we're moving through that's pretty abstract but i think that that's kind of what connects my four my four games and yeah i write about the problems and experiences that i've faced as a young trans person yeah i think that's i didn't really i'm 
yeah, I think that's what I that's what I have. <laughs> okay, great. And additionally, as like a, a bonus icebreaker for all the folks at home and myself, I would love to hear like sort of your role playing lineage. What was maybe like the first game that you started role playing with, and then what was sort of the first spark that got you to start designing? Right. So I think that the first game I really clicked with was probably Dialect by Thorny Games, um, which is a pretty recent game. I played a lot of it. Oh, I played a lot of it with my my roommates over over the past couple of years, and I just kind of fell in love with the style of storytelling that it has to offer. Dialect is a game where you. Dialect is a game. Where where you create a community that's isolated from the world, and then you focus on what brings you together and what also tears you apart. And I think that really just hit me very hard. Other role playing games I had played before then, I just I don't think I had been able to relate to the fantasy of the game in that core way. Where when I was playing Dialect, I was like, oh, this has happened to me, um, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I think that made it really real. It's interesting. It sounds like you're, from what what you've explained here, it, it sounds like that you're really searching for like how to connect your personal experience to the fiction the game presents, which is really fascinating and pretty unique in terms of like guests I've interacted with. You know, a lot of people can allow themselves to fit the mold of the game, but it sounds like you kind of want the game to fit the mold of you, which is really fascinating. Or at least that's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing on my end. Does that sound about something in the ballpark of correct? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that this is already a really interesting point because this is something that I've talked to other designers about. Um, mm-hmm. a lot. I kind of, I really think of role-playing games as like a method to explore the truth. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I have played even though dialect, I would say is the game that has inspired me the most. I think that I've played other games that are more, I don't want to say traditional. That's kind of a loaded word, but you know, mm-hmm. I've played D and D a couple times. I've played mm-hmm. like, I have friends who play D and D in like loads of different settings. And, and I, I, I find that to be engaging too, but I've always kind of felt that I get something different out of it. I think that, I think that when we're playing a fantasy, we're, we're to some extent kind of exploring our ideas about real life. I don't think, so I kind of view role-playing as, you know, a different way to be honest with yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I told, I totally get it. I mean, for a long time, the, the joke I always made with people who were starting their first role-playing game is that, Either make the character who you are or who you want to be. That's those are the only two options. Anything else is is extra on there. So yeah. I think that for me, it's like when I when I make characters for games, I'm always looking to. I think I fit within like your concept of of seeking out the truth in in role play, and I always explore kind of what I want to say moments of ideas so like when i think about the the classic redemption arc story you know you've done you've done something awful and or you've made a mistake you're trying to make recompense for it Mm -hmm. what how like what I, i like to explore the methods right i don't necessarily care about being redeemed what i care about is like what did do i feel like i took steps that i am proud of to attain that point right and then that's a, that can go into like a lot of other 
sort of ideas to be explored. But I'm more concerned about, I know, I know it's pretty trite to say like the journey rather than the destination, but it's also, but, but to delve deeper into that, into like, what is the journey? I think that it's a matter of how, how, how mm, well did I, did I execute that journey? Yeah. And you said something that I really like, which is, which is like, how does it feel to do this? You know, how does it, in this scenario that is totally reasonable for you to imagine this Mm -hmm. thing that's so close to real life, how would it feel? How would it feel Mm -hmm. to be faced with the idea that you've done something that you can't take back and you have Mm -hmm. to move on. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we can, you can make that as much of a fantasy as you want. Like you can say, you know, I killed 20 people because I'm a vampire or you can say, Mm -hmm. I turn someone into a frog and now they won't turn back. But you know, those are, those are ways of interacting with our ideas about, about reality. (laughs) I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want to be too like too much philosophizing isn't good for me. I don't think, but yeah, no, I do think that to, for me, for me, a really large part of role playing is like exploring, exploring my own ideas and my own reality. And you know, role playing is, Role-playing is, I don't want to say always, but role-playing is so often collaborative. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, you're, you're exploring your own ideas and they're also interacting with the ideas of everyone else at the table and also the text that you're using, whatever text. So it's kind of like that it's this little dance where you know you're being offered you're being offered a fantasy by by the text of the game that you're using and you kind of take for, you take what you will from it and then you know you and your you and your friends will come up with all of your own ideas mm-hmm. and i don't know i think there's something very there's something very tangibly real about that um mm-hmm. that we we're choosing to engage in this this fantasy but it's because it's a fantasy that speaks to us. With that, then was dialect the game that sort of got you into designing or was there like another moment or was there a role play experience that had you sort of thinking about designing your own games? So I did a lot of reading before I did any writing. I, well, okay. I don't know if that's quite true. I've always kind of been creating (laughs) games. Role-playing games are pretty, a pretty new exploration of mine, but I've always kind of been interested in games. I, I, doodled around with creating card games when I was younger. I don't know. I I really just like the language of the card game. I like the way that it feels physically to Mm -hmm. play a card game, to like hold Mm -hmm. the cards in your hand and then put them down. And then you feel like you, you know, you can make smart moves and yeah, I really like that anyway. (laughs) So I, I, I wanted to create that experience in writing for a long time. And then my freshman year of college, I discovered, I, I went to my local game store and I, they, because I had just moved. Okay, wait, I need to get this story together. <laughs> you're good, you're good. So I had just moved to a new place. I went to the local game store. I saw a bunch of games that I didn't recognize, and I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. So I think I read, I like guiltily like read Monster Hearts 2 second edition in the back of the store, kind of like sitting <laughs> on the floor. I was like very entranced by it. I was like, because it, it, it I had never like encountered a game that felt like that, that felt like a paperback book that you can hold in your hands that is telling you a story, but also encouraging you to tell your own story. Mm -hmm. Just, I fell in love with that. And then I returned to the store like a week later and bought the book. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so I I did a lot of reading. I think I would say the next one that I read was probably sleep away by J dragon. Mm -hmm. And I, 
Yeah, Sleepaway has, I'm not a scholar of, I'm not a scholar, but Sleepaway is, has very, it like sunk into my brain. It's like, it's it's so horrifying and it's so like, (laughs) it's so again, honest. It feels like as someone who has, as someone who's worked with kids before, that's like, it is very real. It's like Sleepaway is a game where you are playing counselors of a camp and you need to protect your campers for, from this cryptid that lives in the woods and is evil. And yeah, and it was very chilling because like, I know what the, I know what the Lindworm is. I know what the cryptid is in my real life. Mm-hmm. I, I know what, I know what was scary to me about working with kids when I, when I worked in the theater. And so like, mm-hmm. yeah, things like that kind of made role-playing really real for me. Yeah. I think I first put pen to paper this year though, in mm-hmm. over the summer. Because I, I ended up socializing with a lot of other smaller designers and I like encountered the itch sphere and I saw that people were posting like, <clears throat> and I saw that people were posting like five, 10, 20 page games on itch. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Like this finally, finally, like I felt that it was like accessible and approachable for me. And Yeah. I think I agree. Like for a long time, you know, my, the first sort of like six games I ever touched base with were D and D and then blades in the dark and shadow run and pathfinder and band of blades. And like, those are all 200 plus page over several books, sort of events. And I was like, man, a game just has, it would take me aeons, but then getting into the itch sphere, same as you, just learning about all these really cool, I mean, Spencer Campbell, Slayers and Corvid Court, Christ, Viditia's Space Between Stars, Adira's Chair, which is a single page, <laughs> single page lyric game, which is like just so mind opening. But that's not to say that, that your games don't, you, Sasha, your games don't pack like a ton of punch in inside of them for being like 20 30 page games they're they're great they're amazing i think that one thing before we transition like talk about that there's a really cool game that if you liked dialect i think you should check out it's called apotheosis by gordy murphy the game is basically exploring what does oral st- storytelling look like over generations and you you and your friends like make a five segment story and then you do a couple dice rolls And then when a generation passes, you like replace a piece of the story. And so it changes. And then you get to look back and see how like each piece has been altered throughout history. So I think you would, I feel like you would find it a very fascinating game. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I, I could definitely say more about like longer games and shorter games. Cause I recently discovered, mm-hmm. I recently discovered heart, the city beneath. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, yeah, around 200 pages, but Oh my goodness. It like, it does so much. Yeah. Um, a lot it, going on it, there. Yeah. I think heart is the first game that I've ever clicked with of this size. I would say mm-hmm. it's definitely the first game that I've clicked with who for like, for for whom I've like thoroughly clicked with both the mechanics and the, and the fiction of the game. So that was very, yeah, anyway, very cool. But yeah, we can move on. <laughs> I really yeah, no, like you're good. <laughs> I'll take any opportunity. I, I also like heart. I like heart a lot. One day I'll make a resistance hack. I swear. I'm on one right now. 
You see, well, so Sasha. Yes. You mentioned earlier in your intro that you are, and you might have to correct me. I, I wrote it down as quickly as I as possible. You're a designer who sort of uses their design to explore transitory stories with beauty and magic. Again, correct me, but yeah. uh, before we get into like the game specifically, sort of, and because we're going to touch a little bit on on three games, what who like. How have you come to sort of like see yourself as a designer and what are sort of your goals with your your writings? Okay, so I think I think the transitory is something that's very, very close to me as a as a well as a young adult, but also as a trans person. I I have this I don't know, I have a connection to the things that actually okay, let me restart that. You're good. So I want my games to explore, I want my games to explore moments of transition and kind of what we take from different stages. So I'm really into, I, a while back I came up with a mechanic for a a longer game that I, I haven't that I put down and haven't been mm. working on for a while. But I came up with this this mechanic where at the end of each day of, of storytelling, you 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 sit with the other characters and watch the sunset and mm-hmm. you as you as a player and also as a character, you choose something from that day to remember and you add it to your character sheet as a move you can use forever. And then you choose something to forget. Wow. You choose something to forget and then you choose a different move anywhere on your sheet and cross it out and you give it away. Wow. And I think this plays with a lot of things. I think that because I think that having having so some games refer to adding things to your your character sheet as advancement um and i like Mm -hmm. that i like i kind of like that from a from a design perspective i really like the way that that puts your character in terms of the story like you can feel yourself like advancing through the character's story Mm -hmm. i think that advancement often has a lot of weight to it and in my games i don't want you to feel i don't want you to feel that the only how do i word this i don't want you to Mm -hmm. feel like the only things that have weight are big moments of transition i think that i think that we get just as much from everyday moments where we realize that we can interact with the world in a new way and i think that we really take something with us every time that happens so anyway all this is to say i think that my games focus on kind of taking something taking something that taking something that might seem that might seem everyday or that might seem kind of trivial to your character and recognizing it as part of a core truth about them mm-hmm. and then you know kind of deciding like what does this mean about us what yeah what it's, do we, it's what about do we... digging into those finer points right mm-hmm. like digging into the like we talked about earlier with the redemption arc stuff right it's it's about the dream it's also like the small bits you're talking about how it's not always about just like the giant big climactic moment it's about all the things that also led up to that that point of pivotal transition right all the steps that you took to prepare or to make peace with or anything of that nature towards that moment which i've I totally agree with. I think it's a really beautiful like mindset to have, especially when you talk about the sort of mechanisms around advancement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really like the way you said that. I think that, I think that my games focus a lot more on the everyday than about the endings, but I find it interesting that when you're writing a game, it does feel kind of empty if you don't have an ending. Um, So I do Mm -hmm. write endings I do write endings into my games and the endings are important, but I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of going through, I'm, I'm growing through the, my, my relationship with endings. So my, <laughs> games, 
Well, no, it's true. My, my games are, are a lot more about the middle of the beginning and the middle. So like, so like in Girlfriend, for example, one of the more important parts of each character sheet is I give you five things you can always do. And these are reminiscent of the neutral moves from Dream Askew, from the Belonging Outside Belonging System by mm-hmm. Avery Halder. But anyway, and they're also inspired by Wander Home, in which all characters have the same, all characters share a list of strong moves and weak moves. Strong moves being spend a token, weak moves being you gain a token. But then each character has their own unique neutral moves, which are token neutral. You can always do them. And so I think my game takes a lot from that. But also, my game doesn't have tokens at all. Girlfriend doesn't. It's it's Real just, quick, what what is girlfriend for the for the folks at home? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> the girlfriend of my girlfriend is my friend. <laughs> is a game <laughs> about well, it's about a lot of things. It is a slice of life game about about the magic of coming to eight of. Yeah, it's about the magic of coming to age. Is that what they say? Coming to age? That sounds weird now that um, I say it out loud. Yeah. It's I'm one of those things where like, you say the word over and over again, and it's like something sound. Right, I've written it so many times. Okay, I think it's coming of age. Yeah, coming of age. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm glad we had this moment. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, a girlfriend is about is about coming of age as a young as a young trans person, and there's a lot of humor and magic to it. I called it lighthearted at the beginning of my journey writing it, but I don't think I would call it that anymore. I think I would call it simple. I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be very fluid and not feel like you have to do a lot as a player to experience the game. And I think that's what makes it simple to me. I want it to be, I want it to be kind of a game that you like flow through a game that you, you know, just kind of explore together. How do I describe it? So most of the text of the game is these 10 characters that I present you with. And each of these 10 characters kind of shows off a different little corner of the world that I build. Most of Mm -hmm. them have a different relationship with magic, which in Mm -hmm. the world of this game, your magic is something that is created from your aesthetic style. So... For example, there's a character who is the band lesbian, and the band lesbian gets his magic from his music. And there are other characters who get different kinds of magic from different kinds of music. And then you have Spike, who is a graffiti artist, and they get their magic from their you know, their, their, their art, their, their tags. And so they can cast spells on areas by leaving their mark. And so I I came up with this idea and I realized that it was actually really important to me. I came up with this idea of style as magic and yeah. And I realized it was really important to me because I think this game is a lot about like the kind of art and magic that we claim for ourselves, the kind of magic that maybe you start off you maybe you might start your game not being able to use magic and then throughout the game discover things about yourself and discover new you know new avenues to express yourself and that can feel magical when that happens in real yeah. life you feel yeah. like you've discovered something really really profound and yeah so this game is about kind of the magic of the everyday the magic of growing into yourself and you know waking up and realizing that you love yourself. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I one, just from like a content appreciation standpoint or like a world building appreciation standpoint, I really like this idea of the sh- like the stronger your sense of identity, the more solidified your magical abilities are, which is really, really cool in a 
God, a ton of ways. And <laughs> something I think games maybe sort of already intrinsically do to even traditional, like I think about when you play D&D and you choose the paladin class, right? And you have all these paladin-like abilities or paladin-tropy abilities, but it is that those abilities are manifest because your identity is a paladin, right? And then we even talk about, like, maybe the paladin was, like, an extra good example because we talk about oaths and stuff. And if your oath is broken, your sense of identity is also broken. So your magic wanes or leaves you. And same things for, like, clerics and stuff or even druids, right? Like, I find it so fascinating that you bring up that in your particular examination of magic, that style is magic and identity is magic and solidifying both who you are and your magical abilities are kind of tied together. I think I think that's like a really profound like playbook slash class design concept as well, like just to even go out of the fiction a bit. So I think, you know, you have brought something very interesting to light that I think many people will enjoy hearing for sure thank you thank you and yeah i really i think that's very interesting i I think i actually you know i i was now that i'm looking back i I realized that i wasn't really concerned very much about how other systems use magic is not really looking to because so much in in role-playing games i think magic is tied to like numbers and like specific Mm. skills and to me magic isn't that to me magic is like you know magic is what we create by being ourselves Mm. magic is is transgressive it's beautiful it destroys what keeps it bottled up it can't be tied down it can't be trapped it can't be kept behind bars it is its only truth is to live you know magic is kind of a language with which we interact with the world and kind of you know magic is when we decide what we're capable of when we say mm-hmm. you know i'm 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 taking this power from the world and i'm deciding my own reality yeah so i think anyway but yeah so yeah to me magic is is and magic is also cool i think that's important too yeah <laughs> magic is like <laughs> I yeah I think I think an important part of magic is that like it's like it's really cool it's like something that you like might fantasize about it's oh every day every day yeah. Sasha <laughs> <laughs> good okay <laughs> glad that I'm glad that one hit <laughs> yeah I remember when I was eight eight or nine I you couldn't convince me that at some point in my life there wasn't a risk to turn into a werewolf so I oh, yeah would walk on the balls of my feet to like strengthen my calves. Cause I had seen, I think underworld or something like that. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to get hawked legs. <laughs> I have to train now. <laughs> so I, there's like two weeks where I walked on nothing but the balls of my feet, which was crazy. <laughs> and then my mom noticed, I was like, what is happening here? Also, I got tired. So at some point I stopped thinking about werewolves, but yeah, every day, Sasha, <laughs> every day oh, I think so about it'll come. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that you brought up werewolves because werewolves are also another really big part of my game. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, I like, I totally relate to that. I think that there's something very transformative about magic too, that is exemplified in the werewolf. Mm -hmm. And also I think that, I also think that something that my game really believes in is that like werewolves can be soft. They can just hang out Mm -hmm. and cuddle and be wolves, you know? I think that a lot of the werewolf media I've consumed has been like werewolves are 
they know the truth because they reject the I don't know they're like you know you know what I'm talking about so like the edgy werewolf the edgy werewolf mm-hmm. is like you know like don't touch me I'm dangerous to be around you I have to run free and those things are true about the werewolves in my game too but they're true in a different way I, I think that I had been fed up with reading werewolf stories where they're just like not allowed to be tender and like not allowed to like have fun which I, I don't know I think that I think that there's no reason you can't have both. So in my mm-hmm. game, there, so in my game, there is a lot of edge to the werewolf characters, but then also it's a it's a slice of life game, and it's about people hanging out. So I think there's a there's like a duality there that's important. And I don't want you know I don't want to be too preachy. I don't want to say what werewolves are or what they aren't. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of saying what they are. What a werewolf is to me, right? Yeah. What well, I, I agree. I think a werewolf is is just as much a you know. A werewolf is a werewolf because it is part wolf and part human, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, if humans can be all extra sorts of nuance, like, why can't the werewolf be as well? Actually, there's a... Brennan Lee Mulligan in Dimension 20 does a really good job of this with the character... Oh, shit, I forget her name. It's Kristen Appleby's girlfriend in Fantasy Eye. I wish I knew what you were talking about. I'm sorry. I know. But 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 the character is very like kind of cool and edgy the first time they're introduced, but as her and Kirsten go farther in their relationship, they you know, she's very like loyal and cuddly and like kind of doting. And then there's like a fight that they have where she kind of like bristles up and is like really really cares about like the betrayal that Kirsten is gamer. So what basically me bringing up is just like saying, I agree. I think that like we can have both. And I think both do exist in different mediums. And I think the common trope is to think they are the, the version you brought up the sort of like edgy, I have to live my own truth sort of lone wolf cliche, lone wolf sort of style character. And I love also thinking about the, chills out even the even in fantasy have the guidance counselor is a werewolf who's just like hey man i just drink tea i have some really cool like anarchist stories and i'm here to make sure you grow up as like a really nice kid (laughs) yeah and i think there's i think there's always truth to like that kind of like transgression against like the human as the ideal oh my god that was a lot of words but like there's like there's a lot to be said about like why does your tenderness have to be human? Like what, like, you know, what about the human are you pulling out from this? Um, Mm -hmm. and I know that I said earlier that I'm actually, no, never mind. (laughs) But no, yeah, no, I think, I think the connection between like, like, like you have, you know, you have two selves, you have wool, you have two wolves inside you. One is (laughs) trans. The other is gay. You are trans Mm -hmm. and gay. Like, I think that's, I think that's important to my game too. I think that, I think, you know, part of, part of my game is that like, you can be, you know, you can be nice. (laughs) Like you can have friends, you know, you can can have friends, you can be a Pisces and then you can also, you know, kind of go off and, you know, like do your own thing. Like there's no reason you can't have both. And I do like all the examples that you brought up. I think those are really good examples of what werewolves can be. I, yeah. So yeah. (laughs) I think that werewolves say a lot about like, we'll say a lot about like what we are and like, and like society, I don't really talk about society at all, but like werewolves have like a very particular relationship with society like you can't be a wolf in public you can be a wolf in private but only if you trust your friends and family right 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah. See, so like I, I like, yeah. I there's a lot about werewolves that is left unsaid, and I think that's just as important as the amount that I say about them because I only spent yeah. two pages, right? I only spent two pages talking about what werewolves are, and those two pages are illustrating two different kinds of werewolves and that's it mm-hmm. um, and so, anyway <laughs> anyway yeah I have, I have so many werewolf opinions but yeah we can well no i i love it just sort of like as a as maybe like a final thread it's it's interesting that you bring up the private i think when i think about my identity as a black american slash pan-african sort of existence you know i think about the things you're what is it what is it what is it like the phrasings that ha- have happened to me in my life when I was a kid, like, oh, you're like the whitest black kid I-, I know, or like, you're the most polite black kid I know. It's like, you know, you've assimilated into white culture on the surface. I don't really care what you do at home. And then like, when I find out, you know, if you do character curl, stereotypical black things I hear about, like, oh, shoot, you're like a little dangerous or something. They're like, when you say like what a werewolf is in public and what it what it is in private or that it only exists in a like a private sense or with your most mm-hmm. intimate relationships like the the fact that like monsters can be representations for things that have to live in the darkness or in the shadows or out of the public view is is really charged and brings up conversations of like being proud of who you are and not not being hidden away or locked away because the status quo doesn't appreciate your identity i think is also like i i I see it i agree with it i i agree in the sense that like we shouldn't have to like hide in our houses who we really are i should be able to like I don't know, Sasha, burp and fart in public and like not get looked at in a weird way because it's a natural yeah. body gas, right? Like it's so good. Everyone true. burps and farts. So <laughs> true. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 So what, what kind of caused you to, what, what was the thing that caused you to write? girlfriend girlfriend so i actually started with just the title i know that i think that so okay so for me for me i i focus a lot on what my game will aesthetically look like while i'm designing the game because mm-hmm. i you know because i because i do all my stuff myself right now mm-hmm. i kind of have the privilege of being able to come at it from whatever angle i feel is right um mm-hmm. so there were a couple of things that kind of came together when I was starting Girlfriend. So first of all, I had the idea for the title and I was like, oh, that's really funny. And also like communicates a lot about what, like, you know, who my identity is as a writer. Um, Mm -hmm. The girlfriend of my girlfriend is my friend is like, it's a reference. It's like, you know, kind of like, it's like, it's not like, like I'm laughing so hard. I'm going to die funny. But like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of, I thought it was like kind of like clever in like a title way. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, so anyway, so there's that. And then there was the there was the MS Paint Jam that was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity to, like, to, like, branch out. To, like, because I had never yes. illustrated before. That's the other thing. This game, as as crude as they are and as pixel as they are, this game, <laughs> contains, this, this game contains illustrations. And I think that, I think that that actually <laughs> informs a lot about, like, the, the, 
the experience of reading the game, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is that like you can see what I'm thinking through what I drew on the page? Anyway, but so the MS Paint Jam was going on, and my friend Valentine Valentine.itch.io at transval underscore on Twitter was working on a game about wizards, and she was sending me these ideas for these playbooks, and just like totally like utterly exploding my brain with like what is possible to do with ms paint and i was like okay i have to get into this right and so the, uh, the, his wizard game is finished by the way and you can check it out on on itch i would it's i think i would say it's probably the strongest inspiration for girlfriend both visually and and i think a little bit mechanically mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, so I, it was just like, yeah, so, so bright, so colorful. Everything just had so much personality and it made sense when you looked at it. It, yeah, it just like, it clicked really hard and I was like, I got to do this. Plus I just, I, I had, I had just come off of a project where I had, I had created playbooks in a very different way and I didn't feel very good about how those came out, but I still put it out and I, I still put it out into the world. I committed to it because mm-hmm. I felt like it was right. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, this, I decided that I, I, I wanted this game to be mostly contained in the playbooks. That's when I decided that. Mm-hmm. When I realized I can make each, I can make every character look so different, and I, and like, and I can have all these different characters come together and say, "This is the world of my game." Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that was that was like the. Yeah, that was like the the starting, the catalyzing idea behind Girlfriend. And the lineup, by the way, changed about like twenty times. I started oh, I with believe a, it. <laughs> I started with a list of ten characters. By the end of it, like maybe four survived. Wow. And I had so I had like originally actually originally most of my characters were librarians. This is like exclusive this is like exclusive <laughs> content. Originally <laughs> Originally, the first character was called. <laughs> originally, the first character was called the trans girl librarian, and then uh-huh. I had a character called the other librarian. And it was like the idea was I'm showing you like two different sides of what librarians can be in this universe. And then I was like, no, that's really silly. I was like, <laughs> and then I also was having kind of trouble thinking about like where else I wanted my characters to go. And then I decided that I wanted to have magic in my game. And then I think a lot of things really clicked. So after I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to have magic in my game, I was like, okay, so. Werewolves happened pretty immediately after I discovered that, being that werewolves kind of embody this, like, magic, you know, this, like, magical transness, <laughs> this, like, mm-hmm. you know, state of being both utterly, like, like, being kind of, like, in control of how you look, but also being, how you look being tied to your emotions, you know, mm-hmm. you're in a bad mood, uh-oh, wolf time. And so, anyway, so I, werewolves came after that. I came up with the the goths, actually. The the character of those two goths. The first characters to, like, casts. And with them, I decided to give them, like, they have the most versatile cast spell casting ability, which is that they can, they have two moves where they can cast spells. One of them is to create a new spell. They can create any spell. And then their second one is to cast any spell they've created. And so, the way that moves work, you can kind of do this as much as you want and kind of go off. So so those two goths are a pretty fun character to play. But also there's like a limit to it. I think that I think that in designing an easy an easy path to go would be to kind of limit magical ability and I didn't want to do that. I I wanted to say, yeah, you can use magic and you can do whatever you want with it. And then what would you do with that? 
that is a different that's a very different kind of experience to read as 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 a, as a reader i think as a player mm-hmm. to say instead of getting instead of getting limitations and instead of getting a list of things you can do you are encouraged to explore what you can do to like you know figure that out on your own right yeah 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 there is one the the book is i think it's so crazily fun like the illustrations you put in there i love it i was so when i opened it up last night i was so taken aback with like and in a great way in a great way i don't mean that in a negative connotation i was so taken aback like wow i think all the time about like like what, like, you know, I make all, I make any game designs myself as well. And, and I don't really have like a lot of help going into that design wise, or when I say design wise, I mean, illustrative, but it's like, there is so much you can do with like, j- like the personality of GGF is, you see how it's getting shorter every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The personality is oozing, absolutely oozing. And I think that's so amazing because there are definitely some games that have very beautiful illustrations, very beautiful art there. And they do have a personality, but I feel like the personality of your game is you rather than the personality is of the game. Does that make sense? Like when I look at, when I look at D and D books that have in their art pieces, the art is of the game. I'm not getting like, the artist necessarily. And there's so many hands in the design that like, I'm not getting any particular designer. Right. But when I, I think one of the benefits to doing what you did for, for girlfriend is, is really like, I get to, I get to really read from Sasha's point of view, which is very, very cool. Thank you. Yeah. I really, I always like hearing people's experience reading my, reading my work and like reacting to it because first of all, it's just like so guilty and gratifying. Not guilty, actually. Yeah. No, not guilty. It's, we're proud of, we're proud, we're happy with what we, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. when I'm, you know, when you're really proud of something you, and you want people to see it and then they react to it, it can kind of be any reaction, you know, and it's still like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they, you know, I, I put this out and it's being seen by someone, but yes, no. So, so I really appreciate hearing that. You deserve and, it. Yeah, and I also I'm just like this is so like I'm just so glad that this like clicked with people. I'm glad that like you know, it's like kind of overwhelming almost creating something that is so autobiographical, that is so like true to me. Um mm-hmm. and having other people say, "Wow, this is really true to me too." Yeah, and we're in such like a blessed game age of I think we're at a turning point points in like the art of game design right i think i mean i'm not again i'm not a historian or a scholar so if someone wants to scream at me in a in an apple podcast review go ahead but i think that what's really interesting about the indie scene as opposed to like the major conglomerate scene being like hasbro and paizo and and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's like it's like the question has always been like what is a game and i think that we're really getting to a point where like we're pushing that question and we're seeing all of these like artistic endeavors towards game design Mm -hmm. that hits, especially like in the story game side of things. What is it? What is, what is a class? What is a playbook? What is explicit mechanics? What are implicit mechanics? What, what is the accessibility of a book? What is the, what is a good, 
layout versus like I don't know, maybe not a well received layout. Does the does the illustration serve to the effect of the piece? Like there's so many different like gradations that we're experiencing in the, all those different spectrums that I think it's really just like a crazy wild west of indie game design. And also like the inspirations people are taking things from, not only from like books and media, but for you, like experiences for another person I had on the podcast, Jaru Patel did a game called Kick Rocks, where you play by taking a walk outside and you kick a rock around that you find and your rock determines all these different like things you get to decide on for a story. And then made a hack of it called Kick Garlic, where you go out and kick a rock and you play a vampire. <laughs> like, there's just so many cool things that are happening in the scene that I've been exposed to that is just... And then, like, even how does a game come together? Like, with Mark Shepard from Far Horizons and Sandy Pug Games with Nem Ginty, what is a, like, mutual aid, cooperative, collective game design ecosystem look like versus the traditional, like, CEO design team freelance structure? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so crazy. It's just so crazy. And you... And, like... The reason I bring all of this up is that for reading your game and seeing your game and how you produced it, it's like it's a it's a good game. Like it could be it could be one of those things where like someone comes from like a Pathfinder ecosystem, stumbles upon your your game and goes like, "Oh, what is this? I don't. This isn't a game." Like, and you could totally have that. that I, I'm just saying that dialect could could exist and i think i think that that the chance that that dialogue exists means that like we're reaching a point where the language is shifting i think i think that's what i'm trying to say is like the language is shifting and yours is a showcase of that language being possible right if someone is open to that yeah i think i'm it's actually like kind of astounding to hear you say that because i think i I don't know i've i i I don't think my game has really been seen by a lot of like tradi- I don't I don't know traditional I'm not like I don't know enough about it to say traditional but like you know like sure. Pathfinder people. so like I don't like I don't think I've ever seen like a Pathfinder person really talk about my game um, mm-hmm. and like like I don't know what I, I don't know how I would react to someone saying this isn't a game because I think if someone yeah. said to me this isn't a game I think that would really just mean I can't play this game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I can't. I can't relate to this game in a way that, that like lets me play it, that lets me interact with it. And mm-hmm. I look at Pathfinder and I say, that isn't a game to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I, I can't, I can't, I can't play it. I can't, I can't look at that and find some truth in it that is interesting for me to explore. And that's like a personal thing. You know, I'm not, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I, there's no bashing here of anyone's games. That's, I want to make that clear. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course. And I think like, Again, I want to say that like a game is what a game is something that's true to you, right? You you play a mm-hmm. game because you're you're using it to explore something about your truth, about your reality, and like so. Yeah, I just I don't know. <laughs> I think what is a game it's is big. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's big, and I don't. And I'm you know again, I'm kind of a baby. I don't really know. I don't really know all we're that all much. Yeah, I think babies. I like to think we're all baby, but I uh, yeah, I, we're all one baby. <laughs> Yeah, no, the collective baby. There's only one gender. 
the human gender. Yeah, it's babe. Um, the but, human babe. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. I think I, I want to. I, yeah, just to, to before we move on, I do think. When when someone tells me they enjoy a game, of course I believe them. Of course I believe them that like there's something there's something in that game that speaks to them, that's true to them. And so I just I expect that same you know that same mutual understanding because I do know mm-hmm. I do know a lot of people who play games that I don't play, and I know the people that mm-hmm. don't play games that I play. And you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing there's worse. You know, obviously we're still talking about games together, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There's, I have a really interesting analogy that I view people as computers and games are software. And okay. sometimes the computer is not built for the software. There, you don't yeah. have enough space or you like, you don't have enough RAM. You don't have enough, your graphics card isn't that high or something mm-hmm. like that. Or it doesn't, not the, I guess high is like a really fraught phrase, but like you don't have like the right one for it it's like they're just like not a connection you're not able to the operating system's different you can't download the software so like i find that to be like a really interesting analogy for like the language of of games that's just my my take no i really like like that that. i think that's I, i think that's really profound and also as an autistic person i really vibe with the humans are robots thing but no it's true though because like i was just talking to my friend about how like because a game is okay because in my idea of what a game is, I'm being very careful here. <laughs> in you know, in my idea of what a of what a game is, you create rules for your game as a way of modeling the way you perceive rules to exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for someone to tell me this is how the rules work in my world, if I want to play the game, I'm going to say, okay, I'll change the rules so that they make sense to me, and then I'll play the game, right? Right. But right. like, that's so. To some extent, you know, you're changing the game because you're kind of setting aside the rules. And this is something that I also think about as a designer. Like, you know, I'm, I'm offer a game is an offer in a way. Like, I'm offering you an experience and a world and a set of rules. And you can take as much or as little from that as you want, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like if you say, okay, I've found the game in your game, and my game in your game is to take only the playbooks, take away all of the material except the moves, and then set the moves in conversation with each other. And I go, yeah, that's that's real. Because, you know, that, you know, you know, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Good. I'm, well, I don't know. I just, I think... Uh, role-playing games are, are such a way of speaking to yourself, right? They're so mm-hmm. intimate. They're they're, they're mod- role-playing games. Yeah, you're right. You're playing a role. You're you're creating a model. You're 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 you know experiencing how things work, and you're feeling things out, and you know you're maybe like looking at things from a different perspective. And this is something that I also was thinking about a lot when I was writing a different game of mine, Kenzie's Project, which is a game mm-hmm. about. Oh gosh, is it okay if I talk about this? Yes, yes, of course. I said the show is for you. You can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> I think that I think that my games kind of reflect a truth about my life as I'm writing them. So, like, mm-hmm. as I was writing Kenzie's Project, which is a game about academia and, like, all of the ways that academia changes you, I realized that I was setting a lot of things aside to work on this project that no one else really truly understood, even if I explained it to them. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was putting, I was like, you know, I was falling behind on my schoolwork. I was like, kind of like not, I was kind of like isolating myself from my roommates a little bit to work on this project. And mm-hmm. then I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm 
experiencing exactly what I'm writing about. When I started writing this game about this silly, like silly college student who's working on like this science project where they've accidentally discovered like a cosmic, like some cosmic monster or like, mm-hmm. like, you know, something, something much bigger than themselves that they now have to like, you know, are they going to continue the project? Are they going to abandon it and never look back? And as I was writing that, I realized I was experiencing a lot of the, a lot of what I was writing mm, <laughs> about the, the game being a cosmic monster. Sure, but also like the truth of the game, which is that like, like when you're a college student, you are not given space to work on your on your private projects. You are not yeah. given, you know, you don't. And I guess this is like uh, also a uh, this is also a conversation about like capitalism and like you know you you have to work you have to do you have to commit this number of hours to your job every week like you know those systems are those systems are meant to keep you from what you like and Mm -hmm. to keep you from like really doing anything besides besides working and the things that you have to do anyway and so as i was writing this as i was writing this game i was like realizing how true it was (laughs) which can be a really profound thing to like look at your to like look at your writing and just like feel that it's correct you know feel that it's like it's moving you in the way you want to be moved anyway so yes yeah you know i i have opinions about college for sure and you know i always get into this weird state where i feel like when i talk about those opinions i don't want to dismiss anyone who chose to go to college and found like the job they were looking for or whatever have you but for me, like I view college as a oh, what is the term? I'm so excited molding, for what molding or breeding <laughs> yes. or like like a molding or breeding of of how we intend for you to operate when you get out into the world. Yes. And I think it's so fucking bonkers because when I I went to school for theater and dance and then I went to school for culinary arts and I couldn't complete either degrees because I didn't have the money for them which that's a whole that's a whole thing that right. is a separate podcast episode yeah. but you know what I I went to a liberal arts college for theater and dance and one thing I didn't like about that is that why do I have to take like math 202 or algebra 202 when I want to study like like theater like i want to be able to explore all the facets of dance and theater that that i can find my place within the career i'm interested in but the only things i had access to were like essentially most of the curriculum was acting based so like what if i wanted to be a director what if i wanted to be like a uh, stage designer what if, like all these things like oh if you want to do stage design then you have to be in the art major well that doesn't make any goddamn sense to me like why is that separated and i can't take those things like as i mean i guess maybe they were options it was a very trying time for jeremy gage but (laughs) when i went to the culinary arts school a little less of like the general ed stuff like we didn't really have to take too many because i was in restaurant management so we took a lot of like economics classes and things like that but we had like psychology and sociology classes, like one ones that we had to take. And mm-hmm. not that I'm not personally fascinated by that, but I think that when I, I often, I watch a ton of anime. Um, uh-huh. And this is the only lens I have through the Japanese culture currently, but I do know that they have like a lot of vocational options for kids that when they get interested in a particular industry or sector, they can go like, 
whole hog in it from junior year of high school. Like they don't have to do any other like remedial studies, which is like, how different would my life have been if I was able to spend six years in a safe test environment for doing the thing that I feel like I love doing? Yeah. Uh, I have some friends. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. And I have, I have some friends who are in like, I have friends who went on to be a welder who went to like a blacksmith Mm -hmm training school and yeah. he's one of he's one of the happiest people i know <laughs> and so like i don't know so i do think that a lot of first of all i thank you for sharing that and i do think that this i do think that my game is for you kenzie's project is about like okay kenzie's project is about a lot of things but it is about like what academia does to you what college does mm-hmm. to you like what it expects of you and it's a horror game right yeah so like anyway so yes, yeah, so, it so it is a horror game. It's about, I guess it's about America. It is definitely about America because it, it takes place in America and it's about an American college. And like more than that, it's kind of about like an like archetypes of 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 Americanness and like American education and like you know the American like uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, you you know you you know everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, America. You're so yeah. good. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, I can explain this, but no, I don't have to. I don't have to explain it. No, yeah. So, so yeah, this game is, this game is about, you know, wanting what you can't get from, from university. And it's also a lot about being naive. It's about like mm-hmm. allowing yourself to believe, right? Allowing yourself mm-hmm. to believe that, that some good can come from this system, that like you can get what you want from it sometimes. And I'm, I think that's a very horrifying thing because I'm someone yeah. who is allowed, who lets myself be naive a lot. And so I know, you know, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people who, 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 well, no, I should be more, I should be more confident than that. I, this, this game is very true to me. Mm-hmm. It represents something that is very real about, about wedge, about education and about being creative and having your own thing that you want desperately to succeed and that you want to complete and just, like everything else telling you that you can't and that Mm. you, yeah. We're all just wounded at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Just all goddamn wounded. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I gotta do some, take some deep breaths. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You unpacked a lot there. So, Sasha, with with all that and sort of like getting those games out and honestly, a relatively short amount of time, like the turnaround on on so many games is amazing. And a lot more that like I've I've been slowly working on like three different projects and I've gotten none of them out in the last like a year. So truly a triumph to get these games out. How has how has been being a new designer in the indie space have you felt like you've you've been able to find communities were there any challenges that you were experiencing when you were like putting up games or connecting Mm -hmm. with people or anything like that or finding a space where you felt like you were being heard what what is your what is your new designer experience been like i'm gonna can i give a boring answer i'm gonna give an answer (laughs) okay Thank you. I'll give my boring answer and then I'll give my interesting answer. So my boring answer is that I've had to learn a lot about like money really quickly. Like mm. I work, like I've, you know, I've been working for a while, like IRL. Oh my God, that was such a weird thing to say, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm not new to having a job, but I'm very new to having to like manage like 
even itch which is like you don't have very much to do it feels mm-hmm. like there's a lot to do yeah. like all the like charts and numbers oh my god it's so scary <laughs> um, like so yeah no so that's that's my boring answer my boring answer is i am quite allergic to like business like the idea of business mm-hmm. and i had to learn a lot about that really quick the interesting answer is that i actually connected to a community long before i not long okay that maybe okay no i connected to a community a bit before i published my first my first game so i did feel like well let me explain that so i am kind of i kind of wedged myself into a few different communities of tabletop role-playing people the the indie people the like the queer people who publish their own games on itch you know who you are love you and like so like the the for example like possum creek their community server is really good j dragon and ruby lavin game 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 studio and Clawhammer games also has a really good one but anyway no mm-hmm. uh, the, the point is I, I i got to know all these creators and i think that is part of what made it real and part of what made it feel approachable and then you know by the time i was like posting my own thoughts and my own like game design and like my ideas that I had I had people that were like Sasha you need to publish this you can't you you have to I need people to see this I need to be able to show this to my friend and that is like oh my gosh that is like I I can't even really describe I can't really describe what it what it felt like it was so like it's just like so flattering and but also so like it made me like it forced me out of my own head you know mm-hmm. in a way that I had been very like I had been very, like, self-conscious and also, like, well, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I made it's a bunch of friends. It's that little nudge forward, right? It's that little nudge forward mm-hmm. towards doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what I ended up doing was I published I published a few little things to my itch at first. I published, like, I published two little backdrops for dialect that I had written a while ago. Like, I brushed them up and made them presentable. And then I finished my first actual role-playing game, which is called Busted, and it's a hus- and it's a heist game, and it uses... It's like, a, it's like a card game. It uses a lot of my old, like, ideas about, like, you know... Again, about the language of a card game, Busted is a lot about, like, what it can feel like to, like, the vulnerability, almost, of playing a card game. <laughs> Mixed with, like, the vulnerability of, like, being on a heist, like, being with, being with the, being with your anarchist friends and, like, blowing <laughs> stuff up. And so, yeah, anyway, but, so I published this on Itch. I didn't really expect anything. I kind of just wanted my friends to see it. And then just the... Like, I don't want to say, like, it blew up, but it got a lot more attention than I thought it would. And that is what really, like, made me, like, sit up straight and take a deep breath and say, yeah, I, you know, I have ideas that I'm, that I can be ready to share, you know? Yes. And then, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure, like, I'm sure a lot of other people share this experience, too, and I really, like... Yeah, I I owe a lot to the people who like helped me get here, I would say. I'm like very grateful for, for that experience. Well, big shout out to all of them. And I'm happy to also be able to, to speak to these things out out in the open. So that's that's gonna be great. I'm really excited for people to, to hear this. And yeah, it's to be a new designer and Mm, get the permission is not the right word. The nudge, like I said earlier, the the nudge right. of like, hey, this is 
I like this. The thing you made, and I'm not just like blowing smoke up your ass. I like this. It's like, wow, there is, there is one other person who's not me who likes my thing. There has to. There are seven billion people on the planet. There mm-hmm. has to be more. <laughs> you know what I mean. And yeah, the only yeah. way they're going to know is if you put it out there. Yeah. Uh, and you may be helping someone. You may be connecting with someone, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a lot of com- I've gotten a lot of comments that are like um, that are like just like very flattering. Like I want everyone in the world to see what you've created. Like I want. I would yeah. like to show this game to everyone. And I just like, oh, that's just like, yeah, it's, it can be, it can be overwhelming. Not to the heart. <sighs> yeah, it is. I think one of the, one of the examples of this uh, is after I created, after I created the girlfriend of my girlfriend, I, I published it and I, I thought it would be really fun to, for a couple of reasons, to host my own game jam, which I had never done before, where it was because, because girlfriend is meant to be very customizable. I included in the base game, there's a sheet about how to design your own playbook. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to have a little game jam where people submitted their own playbooks and a lot of people participated and um, also like created such beautiful content that like compliments like the content compliments with an e like you know shows a different side of the world that i created for my game and it's just like oh my goodness it's like it's like nothing else it's because you know when i when i set out to create games I don't only want to create something that feels real. I want to create something that is real. I want to create mm-hmm. a game that you read and you say, oh, this is like this. This feels like this, you know, <laughs> you know, like I, I can see into this world like this is a this mm-hmm. is real. It exists. It's like got its own like textures and flaws and colors and like that kind of thing. And so to see all these people like show me how my game relates to their own world, it's like nothing else. It's so like, it's so great. Like game jams are so crazy because they're so prismatic in a way in that when you put out this color, right, your game and a person takes it in, views it and then shoots it out in their own manner you're gonna get a slightly different color because of the angle of the lens that they're using or the their own color that they're mixing into this primary color mm-hmm. and it's so like because then what you get when all the light hits back onto the game is a, a much larger world with a lot more nuance and a lot more coverage of experience and to also attest to what you said about like viewing it as real not only that but you're you're writing games in such a manner or you're producing content in such a manner sorry producing is such a hustle word writing content (laughs) in such a manner that you are allowing people to see like oh i'm going through this moment or oh i've gone through this moment or oh i think i'm about to go into that moment like there Mm -hmm. there are these really interesting like time perspectives or time manipulations that can go into viewing a game that's very like experience focused and and when i mean experience focused i mean like real world experience focused not to say that that other games don't explore things but i think a lot of times the the crises or conflicts are very external and don't feel as individually connected you know like thinking about D &D and how a lot of the common trope is like there's a war going on and it's happening Mm -hmm. in the background it's like that's not very we've all experienced war on the outside but like 
you know, we, you know, all the stuff that happened with like 9-11 and, and beyond is like, while it impacted us as, as a nation in some forms, we never had to like deal with the war, like who those of us who stayed in America, right? We, we just got to like hear about it, news it, be feared about it for like what its potential was. But I feel like for your games, it's a lot more like, oh, these are like human stories that are at an individual level that can happen to legitimately everyone. And you're the only one within the bounds to affect those, those choices where like in a traditional journal experience, we, we at home cannot really affect those external choices. Right. I'm not prepared to talk about war. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. I am prepared to talk about what it's like to ha- have trans friends for the first time as a trans person, you know, that kind of wow. thing. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I am prepared to talk about what it's like to have this project where you feel like you feel like delusional for believing in your own project because no one else really understands what you're talking about. I'm, I'm qualified to talk about that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm I want to create, I want to create, you <laughs> And I'm going to say it again. I like, well, no, no, no. I, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I, I, I'm, I'm qualified to write about like, <laughs> you know, oh gosh, I really don't know how to say this. Anyway. You know what you know, right? Like, you know, you know what it is that you know. And like, I know that I brought up the war thing, but that's, that wasn't to get us like to talk about the war. It just feels like <laughs> you write games that are not, that don't focus on external events Events. I think like they don't focus on external events and what they do focus on are internal experiences. And I think that's so much easier for people to feel really immersed in as opposed to like tangential ideas that they have to guess about. Right. Yeah, exactly. I want, you know, it's important to me that it's important to me that the people who play my game feel like they have agency in the world of the game. Like I want to like, mm-hmm. I want to provide as many hooks as it takes for one of them to catch. Right. Mm-hmm. I want like, yeah, I want, I want players to, to read my game text and say, Oh, I like, I have some ideas about this. Like any ideas. That's the goal. I want people to, you know, read my work and, and I, I hope it's inspiring. If I inspire people with my work, that's that's my... I'm going to wash my hands and pack up because that's my job well done. So, yeah, that's the real thing. The real thing is just, uh, yeah, making something making something that's real to people. Making something that's, that, you know, gets people's little wheels turning. That's like... Oh, I, I feel like I'm... I, I'm like, do I have the... Am I qualified to say that? Do I have my... Am I, do I have the social capital? Do I have the clout to say that? But yeah, no. It's, <laughs> yes. If yes. it's true, if that's what I want. Well, I think that's a I think that's a beautiful notion at the top of the show to close out on here. Sasha, it has been a pleasure to have you on here for sure. Would you just give us a brief outro once again of like who you are, where can people reach you and find your stuff? All of these links that Sasha will be giving us will be down below in the show notes for your access listeners. Yeah, thank you again so much for having me on. It has been it has been very fun and and quite quite flattering to talk about myself so much. Yes, I have been and will hopefully continue to be Stargazer Sasha. You can find all of my work at stargazersasha.itch.io. Some people ask how I spell Sasha, and the answer is S A S H A. And you can also find me on Twitter. Oh, on the. Oh, oh. 
also at Stargazer Sasha. <laughs> yes. That's Amazing. It. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for sitting alongside me as we listen to Sasha today. And we will catch you next time. Say bye to the people, Sasha. Bye, people. <laughs> bye. Hey there, listeners. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Sasha and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes for getting in touch with Sasha and other content with similar topics. Support Jeremy and the DYD podcast by reviewing the show or joining the community Discord server. Thanks again for listening, and remember that design is a marathon, so enjoy the journey and have a great day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.